0: Welcome to the Sutter Faction Podcast, short, gritty talks to promote thought, curiosity and openness. And openness might be a strange choice of words considering sometimes these talks are controversial, edgy, perhaps too opinionated or even come across as negative. Negative is not my intention, my only intention is to plant seeds for thought and discussion. And I understand at times that this requires challenging perceptions or structures but I think aren't always the most helpful and in breaking them down a negative tone may arise but not for long as I try to make these talks multi laid and dynamic and as always I don't pretend to know everything in fact each talk I realize I know very little and that is what encourages me to keep reading writing and contemplating so I thank you for learning along the way with me I'm Evan Sutter this is Sutter Faction now, 12 ideas to construct a life worth living. Number four, travel. And mostly, you're in a world. To construct a life worth living, a connected, interesting, interested and fulfilled life, we need to examine and explore what lies outside of us yeah there is no denying that there is an abundance of beauty all around us mountains, oceans, rivers, trees, bees, bridges, buildings, cities, forests, people, food and we should embrace all of this these fill our lives with joy, meaning, passion, vitality and can enrich it tremendously and they are all worth seeking out As I sit here today, I'm chatting to you in a sunny corner of my Fitzroy North home in Melbourne. I recently moved here from a coastal town, Newcastle, a few hours north of Sydney. The ocean and morning swims now replaced with icy morning runs, foreign films and live music. Before that, it was the mission in San Francisco that I called home, rowdy streets alive with vibrant smells and noises 24 hours a day, Passersby speaking their local tongue from all over the planet. The city that bristled with entrepreneurs, artists, homeless and activists alike. Wedged in between there was a 12 month stint in Pacifica, a short drive down from the city and a short walk for a morning stand, up paddleboard and surf and a long hike in the mountains that cradled the beautiful beaches below. There was Brooklyn and Harlem in New York and another fun 18 months in Bondi Beach. Which I personally found is a great place to live in winter especially where you can start to feel the community and the locals outside the ways of tourists that the summertime brings. And now each place we explore brings with it a different group of people that call it home. New friends and new ways of thinking and looking at life. New ways of constructing a life. All of which plant seeds for you to look at things with the help of their eyes, from their unique experiences that they bring to the table. And in many ways, the beauty of these new experiences of traveling to and living in different places lies in the impact it then has on you and the choices you then make moving forward. And that type of travel requires a little depth and an opening to those things and those people around you in order to be vulnerable enough to let them touch you, to affect you, to shape you. And just because you travel to a new place doesn't necessarily mean that you do do that. Marcel Proust said the true voyage of discovery consists not in seeking new landscapes, but in having new eyes. And thus, maybe to construct a life worth living, a connected, interesting, interested and fulfilled life, we need to examine and explore everything outside and inside of us, and perhaps with a greater emphasis on the inside. For many, we have made exploration and travel purely an external thing, missing the new eyes that Proust spoke of and new perspectives that can add a few wonderful strings to our bow. And it's not a bow so we can always be better or more, but maybe one so we can just become more aware of what is in fact worth making more or better. We can tend to think of exploring in an external sense and think travel is this way, in this way, in this external sense, is all the exploration we need. Travel is great. It is. But in this day and age, even this beautiful tool of self discovery and emancipation is becoming slightly more superficial and limiting in what it can do for us. While eating new foods, meeting new people, seeing new places, and trying new things is grand, I feel from my experience at least, the more important aspect is perhaps what it does to us internally perhaps true external travel should always encompass this leading to a shift in how we think and then live opening us up to new questions like what is important in my life who am i what am i ought to do with this life i know my best trips did just that and they continue to do just that years and years after i landed back at the airport or you know after i emptied out the van because we need to be curious And we are by nature, but somewhere along the way we lost this natural curiosity for for new things and replace it with accepting what was laid out in front of us. Travel can give us confidence, perspective and many fond memories. It did for me. But I see that sometimes travel can become a mere replication of what we do at home. We drink at a pub or we chase sex or aim to fulfill some other desire it is the same cycle just painted a little differently and yes there's all that in between stuff which creates unexpected adventures and you know playing in a foreign land is is always quite a novel but for the most part we can can be stuck in those same patterns those same habits these habits can prevent us from making shifts and from maturing and learning and and of course we don't always need to learn and sometimes We just want to relax and drink at the pub and have sex and that's cool. But a problem may arise if that's all you've ever done and your travel just continues to amplify all that noise. And again, I understand that a constant pursuit of learning about ourselves is tiring and we don't want that. I don't want that. And every chance is not a chance for self-development. But maybe what I'm trying to allude to is the best self-development happens when you aren't actually trying when you are living in a way where you are organically open to new experiences and new people that slowly and surely make you a more curious compassionate kind and cool human being i think that is the sweet spot that's the g spot on our journey to continual evolution and a funky revolution in fact that addiction to a never-ending self-development amped up by a trillion dollar self-help industry, may miss that point altogether. In seeking to artificially manufacture our gratitude in a morning list, for example, we forget, or just totally ignore, to actually construct our life with the right conditions for gratitude to grow in the first place. Maybe a different environment for you naturally fosters gratitude, and having to constantly remind ourselves is a sign that the conditions just aren't right. Instead of adding so many well-being tools and exercises and classes to our toolkit in order to merely get through the day or year unscathed, we should look to reconstruct how we are living, so the tools are less a cognitive fabrication and more of a feeling, more of a feeling, more feeling. Google Maps, Tinder, Facebook, Instagram, Airbnb, Booking.com—they make our lives easier. They make travel more convenient. But they also may help hinder our inner exploration, at least in getting to the depths where we can feel enough to cultivate that confidence, self-esteem, meaning, awareness and a sense of self. We get lost and instead of feeling scared or feeling what discomfort really feels like, we pull out our iPhones and look up Google Maps. Before we can even feel our fear or insecurity, we turn to something else for help. It is too easy to build a facade around you and avoid those things that are too unpleasant. A mere mirror of our lives at home. Whether it's falling back on a friend or turning to drugs, alcohol or sex when you are lonely or bored. Travel can be yet another great tool for running away and for avoiding. I remember some of my most uncomfortable moments in travel turned out to be some of the most rewarding. Some of the most enjoyable walking up to a stranger in the back streets of Berlin to ask for directions, negotiating a police ticket somewhere in Morocco, finding a place to stay in the mountains in Colombia. Discomfort so easily avoided with technology, but times when nothing is ever really gained either, and where potential beauty is lost. Tainted by the brush of superficiality, which technology is so helpful in promoting, the rawness of travel can now be too often used as a tool for ego and comparison as well. We are quick to post photos to the endless list of social media sites to show our friends before we've even seen it with our own eyes and in turn felt it with our bodies. This way we are there, but we aren't really there. When we jump over the feeling part, maybe we're only half there or a quarter there. And if you do that in travel, such an epic fun filled adventure, then we can be sure that we'll do it in our everyday lives where things aren't always so stimulating or entertaining. So we just happen to miss out on life again and miss out on life too, too many times. So as a result, one of life's greatest teachers is losing losing its job. Even in other countries far away from home, we still turn to the same distractions every time we feel discomfort. Bored? Yep, we jump on Facebook and Instagram lonely we listen to music or we jump on tinder that's true i remember being somewhat stunned by how much that was used in such remote places while traveling through central and south america the epic experience of sitting at a bar in a cafe in a foreign country by yourself which for me is one of life's great simple treasures a coffee in a random place somewhere in the world replaced by the truly boring and lonely safety net of a mobile application So you never have to be by yourself, so you never have to be uncomfortable. Americans in Lima, Peru, swiping for other Americans because the thought of talking to a stranger is far too scary. What do we miss? Not only in that moment, but for the next period of our lives. Who do we become? And looking back, I can see why I was so unfulfilled and unsatisfied in my 20s, despite travelling far and wide. Unsatisfied before I made it to Plum Village, France, the place where I stayed for three months in a rundown hut on the edge of a forest in Ticknut Hans mindfulness practice center. Up until that adventure, I had made exploration and travel purely an external thing, and that that left me always scratching on the surface and never ever far beyond it. In travelling throughout Europe, Central and South America, Southeast Asia, India, the US and Canada, North Africa, New Zealand, Samoa and the Pacific, 50 to 60 countries, I too often escaped the realities right there with what was more convenient, turning to tried and tested distractions like drinking, sex and food to escape real, cool opportunities to dive into life. And take out this idea of growth opportunities and learning just missing cool life experiences is enough. And um, yep, you get them as byproducts of drinking and partying. But in doing so, you are blurring the feelings, the intentions, the memories. And after all, maybe it is someone else who is in the driver's seat anyway. Your inebriated, inhibited self built up on the type of pseudo-confidence. Built up on this type of pseudo-confidence so we can continue never feeling and then having to artificially manufacture our confidence each day with the help of seven vodka sodas. I know that. I know that very well. This pattern is so clear when I compare two of my biggest overseas adventures. One, in an old 1983 Bedford with three friends surfing down the coast of Europe into Africa for over 12 months. And the other, my stint in the forest of Thich Han's Buddhist Monastery. And in many ways, the heart was like the old Bedford, but with no wheels. No wheels to simply steer away from the unpleasant. Seuss psychiatrist Carl Jung said suffering comes from our failure to understand and feel the unseen and unheard parts of our psyches. When we're always running and moving from one place or task to another, Grabbing our phones or turning on our TVs, jumping on Tinder or Instagram, grabbing a beer every time we have a moment of idleness or discomfort, well we never get to stop and really explore our lives. And maybe the best exploration happens when we aren't moving at all. Perhaps that is the great irony, But exploration always seems to denote going somewhere, but sometimes the best exploration happens when we aren't moving at all. I didn't move much physically in the hut as opposed to life in the van with a new destination almost every week, but I felt like I moved more mentally, got moved more mentally, saw more, heard more, felt more and learnt more than any other trip in this lifetime. Two quotes or ideas that I really love, one from Socrates, an unexamined life is not worth living, and one from Nietzsche, avoid the unlived life. I see now that maybe Socrates' words are a good starting point for those of Nietzsche. Once we examine, we can make the living parts so much more abundant, so much more aligned, organic, natural, transparent and meaningful. Socrates compared living without thinking to practicing pottery without any technical know-how. We wouldn't expect to create a great pot, so why do we think that the far more complicated issue of one's entire life could be undertaken without enough deep thought and serious reflection? Prior to Plum Village and hut life, I travelled like making pottery without any instructions. In an overwhelm of all of life's complexities, bravely swinging the machete and cutting down whatever came in front of me. Post-monastery, I did it with a little more clarity and awareness. This is why exploration could be aided by being a solo adventure to start. You can pick up your passengers along the way, but you have to be the captain. All the greatest explorers did just that they conquered themselves first. And I've been super fortunate to travel to many places far and wide, and there have been epic adventures that have played a huge role in shaping my life, my views, my perspectives. But I see so clearly that the quality of my life has been impacted far more by the adventures that touch my inner world rather than the many sporadic vacations. I've found that adventure, travel, exploration, aliveness, life doesn't always start on the edge of a cliff or in a van surfing around Europe, and it isn't always action and activity. It isn't found in a contiqui tour or 25 stamps on a passport, but life, and the beauty of it, is often found in the silence, the conversation, the discomfort. The trick is choosing to be present, to wake up, to reaffirm our presence when it will be so much easier to ruminate and lose ourselves in fantasy. And that is why I think we must explore our inner worlds mostly. Travel? Yes, definitely, and mostly our inner world. Because we can be on vacation on a tropical beach in beautiful Tahiti, but be distracted, bored, miserable, restless, and be somewhere else entirely. And it is easy to let all the craziness of our modern lives become the craziness in our minds. We become stuck in past regrets and troubles and trapped in future worries and concerns. This habit can lead to a wealth of unhealthy thinking that prevents us from living happily in each moment, no matter what exciting or mundane thing we happen to be doing, because we miss it, or just scrape through it, hardly ever noticing it. And maybe this is why we learn mindfulness, one cool way to travel our inner world. Thich and would often say we learn mindfulness so we can be good gardeners. So we can develop the capacity to sow the seeds, water the flowers, and allow the sun to shine in a way that will make our garden beautiful. Recognizing the seeds of anger, fear, infatuation, and cultivating our good qualities, cultivating what we value. And many studies show that a wandering mind is an unhappy mind. And an unhappy mind, well, that will more more than likely lead to an unhappy life. And paying far little far too little attention to our inner world while focusing all of it, on an external one, is not a recommended approach to constructing a life worth living. I'm sure you can still have a good life and travel to some cool places, but you may miss the experience of traveling your own one, knowing where the best spots are and the best times to go there. Want, want some further proof? Daniel Goleman and his work on the science of meditation shows that meditators are less reactive to stress. They recover from peak stress to calm fast and they have less inflammation as a result, which is a huge factor in many long-term chronic diseases. Meditators' us and them thinking diminishes, so they become more caring, generous and more present for others' suffering without tuning out. Tasks become more effortless. We increase the gap between impulse and action. We learn better, retain information better. We don't lose our memory as we age and our cells live longer. And I learned some cool stuff traveling, about history, geography, politics, people, and they have been helpful in my life. But I must say, learning about my inner world through meditation has proven more useful and advantageous in my day-to-day life, as the above list I just mentioned illustrates so well. And to be honest, both of them are just as fun. And we can continue our journey traveling through our inner worlds through the use of psychedelics. This deepened my relationship with the beauty so rich in abundance inside all of us in every moment. I first took psilocybin or magic mushrooms in Amsterdam, and what started as more of a recreational drug experience, like all the other ones in Europe during that trip, moved to more spiritual, more um, deeply introspective and meditative experience over the years that followed. Living in San Francisco, surf trips and there was a great, great surf in Northern California for those who are interested, those surf trips were interwoven with deliberate weekends away dedicated to inner-world adventures. This meant the use of LSD, DMT, ayahuasca, and other explorations in carefully curated settings to nurture the right mindset and then the right integration back into everyday life. While the surf trips are great, and you never forget the places and times and get good waves of good buddies, these mind trips, so to speak, Had longer lasting and deeper impacts on my well-being they continually worked to soften my hard edges to step around my ego or default mode network long enough to see beyond conditioning and constructs that can constrain and limit limit our ability to see beyond only a few options that always see obstacles and barriers and zap creative and original thinking that go beyond only that which we have been taught And this is so important in so many different ways. If you listen to episode 19, number 3 on this list, be careful who you listen to, we see how small our lives can become if we take everything we've been told on face value. We can easily become so rigid in our views and ideas and never curious enough to look beyond, below and around conflicts of interest and biases. And I know psychedelics have gotten a bad name since the US war on drugs, which was anything of a war on drugs. Tromsky's book Precipice has some great insights on that, well worth the read. But despite so many positive studies indicating a strong case for their use in clinical settings and beyond, they have been largely ignored by a system funded so well by Big Pharma, and with so much wealth in the hands of so few. And just how coffee was banned for one week, we see that too often things that undermine or could potentially challenge the powers in control get belittled by big propaganda campaigns again and again. Anyway, that's another story. Just be careful here, listen to, and check out episode 19 for more on that. Michael Pollan, in his book, How to Change Your Mind, a book that has helped bring psychedelics mainstream, gives a great analogy for the benefits of their use. He describes a skier who heads down the mountain. As they continue straight, the grooves in which they travel get deeper and deeper. Anyone who's ever skied understands that. Soon it becomes almost impossible to turn left or right. This is what it is like for our minds if we rarely stretch them, if we rarely travel our inner worlds. It makes it harder and harder to have a different view, to make a change, to learn new habits, to turn left. Psychedelics play a role in softening the ego. Our defender it tells us that this worked in the past so it will work again and then allows us to turn left and right with less friction with more efficiency. So it is helpful but not all the time. Softening its softening it, stranglehold on our lives from time to time in safe, dedicated spaces allows us to be more open, more creative, more curious so our rigid thinking does and does not prevent us from constructing an original life that is flexible and truly ours to bend. And talking about constructing a life worth living, which is the topic of this this series, of course, it also helps us to be more loving, comparing, compassionate, selfless, and connected. My first ayahuasca experience took me took me back to took me back to really intimate and vivid relationships with the dear ones in my life who had who died and it taught me it showed me how I had so so easily misconstrued the good life for a job title for financial success for things purchased because the only thing that was present in this experience was the human qualities they possessed how they made others feel how generous and kind they were how loving and loved they were It explained to me that these human creations, job titles, superannuation, taxes, mortgages, put layers and layers on top of us as humans. Armor, if you wish. Taking us further and further away from being human, from being people. So much of the beauty of our lives comes from our relationships with other people. A relationship that can so easily be pushed down the pecking order of priorities in our pursuit of reaching those highly fabricated man-made labels. When you learn to love on the road, and they are beautiful and good fun, I found they were never as deep and unrelenting as when it came from those inner travels. The lust and superficiality, which is fun and probably necessary for young people, is replaced by depth, awareness and understanding. And those are some cool foundations for a good life. And for all the benefits of traveling your inner worlds, mindfulness and psychedelic experiences for two, it turns out their only work to make all your future travels to islands, mountains, cities, forests, farms, to sporting events, to art galleries, to restaurants and to funky coffee shops all that much better. Because all travel, external or internal, should be done with enough depth and awareness so we can all see all of life with curiosity, with care, with openness, with compassion and with respect. A journey, an exploration and adventure and learning about ourselves and the world around us should be fun and continue in each moment if we stay curious creative compassionate interested and playful we allow ourselves the chance to open up to a bewildering palette of possibility and to an abundance of beautiful insignificant moments thank you for listening you can continue traveling your inner world with my book Awake and for the next month be sure to share a photo of Awake to Instagram at evsada and tag awake journal to go on the draw to win a free free hour one-on-one session of me traveling through awake if you want to travel in the other ways we just spoke of here you may be interested in my new ideation labs an introspective curated journey go to evansutter.com and contact me for more details this is the satisfaction podcast please leave a rating and review and please tell your friends enjoy